some announcements up front here. Uh, tonight we are so excited that we do have missionaries from Japan here, Reverend and Sister Richard Lucas. Yes. Y'all, they have been in Japan for 39 years. 39 years. I bet by now they can fluently speak the language. <laughs> yeah. Our connection with the Lucas, especially our youth department, is that our youth president here in the North Texas district, Brother Andrew Lucas, is their son. So we have a connection there with the mission field of Japan because he was raised there. We support his family. So um, on the 8th, which is this coming Tuesday night, we're going to have an EXO marriage seminar. And all of you that have attended these know that they have been really, really, really good. Doesn't matter if you just got married or if you've been married 50 years, you will enjoy these classes. So that will be at 6 o'clock Tuesday night. And child care is provided. If you have children, bring your children and they will be well taken care of. Next Sunday, which is the 13th, is Youth Sunday. So next Sunday night, your youth pastor will be here preaching. I thank you for all supporting him so well. Okay. And next Sunday on the 13th, in Children's Church, it's going to be Sports Day. Okay, you got that? If you've got a child, children's church, it's going to be sports day, whatever that means, okay? So if you'll stand, we're going to go before the throne of God. We know that in ourselves we can do nothing, but God can do the miraculous. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can even ask or began to think. So awesome to be serving a God like that. We're going to lift up our hands.
God's praise, he's excited right now because there is a spirit of praise in the house. If you could understand over in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right now there is a control tower with men operating and there are airplanes flying all over and they are, they've got them on radar. Flight 2346, make your approach on runway north. That's what they're doing right now. And God's got angels all over this place. And the radar system of spirituality, God's picked up your spirit and he's saying, open your heart. I'm fixing to deliver some glory in your life. Look up for your redeemer is looking down. I feel like shouting in this house tonight when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for calling me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So what's about to happen, we're going to pray for Atalaya, Eli Green, Greg Morton, Robert Walker, David Wright, Landre Westerman, Abby Malone, Jake Morgan, Floyd Elmore, Francis Batson, Sharon Crawford, Sister Singh Hood needs a touch of God, Dylan Melvin, Greg Morton, and Vernon Steve Aver. And I want us to realize that in this house tonight is Brother Charles. He is here in person. He, God gave him enough strength to be here. We're shouting. If you need a touch of God, we've got ministry and we've got angels. If you'll slip down here, we will do what the book said. Anoint you with the oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That doesn't mean that that moment you'll get the total deliverance. What he means is you're going to get a spirit that let you know I'm coming through. I'm coming out. I'm moving forward. The Holy One of Israel is in the house. So if you need a, a touch of God for your body, Brother Griffith will bring an anointing oil and we will do what the book said. Anoint them with oil and pray a prayer of faith. But let's go before the throne for these people, your friends, and our city and these wonderful missionaries that are here. God bless you. Let's move the mountain right now with prayer. Let's move the mountain of doubt, of fear, of inhibition.
said shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph if you felt the spirit of healing you, if you felt God you felt the healer you felt the deliverer and this is the time we shout unto the Lord with the voice of victory I know in whom I have believed I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against the day of the Lord I'm going to shout with you I'm going to shout for you. He's a redeemer, but he's a healer. He is our victory. He is our future. He is our history keeper. He Let the Holy Ghost move right now all over this building. There is a spirit of victory and triumph that says, I know my redeemer liveth. I know my healer is in the house. I know my victory is already planned. Oh, oh, oh. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. The ushers are racing to the front with their plant pans part offering plates. We are going to bless this missionary couple. They've been a part of our life for years. Matter of fact, I was just looking over here and I thought I saw part of your dad. He had a look like you. He, matter of fact, some of the time he had a hairdo like yours. And what a joy their family has been. And what a genuine joy that their son has been to all of these young people in our district. Wow. Now, Father, we give liberally because we care about our missionaries. We want to share the ministry to Japan and to so many other people where they go. I ask you to bless those who give sacrificially and those who may not have it to give. I just pray the blessing of the Lord upon this house and upon these missionaries in Jesus' name. Amen. You can depend on Jesus. You can depend on Him. As He was yesterday, tomorrow He'll be the same. You can depend, you can depend on Him. You can depend on Jesus. Yes, you can. You can depend on Him. As He was yesterday. Tomorrow he'll be the same. You can depend, you can depend on him. You can depend on Jesus. You can depend on him. As he was yesterday, tomorrow he'll be the same. You can depend, you can depend on him. coming right now. God bless you, Brother Lucas. Come and take your liberty. Hallelujah.
I, without hesitation, tell you your pastor and pastor's wife are some of the most important people in our lives. Their ministry has had an impact on us for a long, long, long time. Amen. When I was an evangelist, uh, Pastor Meyer, you may be seated. Brother Meyer preached a special revival for my dad who was, uh, was building a church in Worcester, Ohio. And during that time, um, in the middle of that revival, I don't remember if it was a fire or a tornado or what, but something, whatever it was, a fire or tornado, destroyed their house. I mean totally destroyed it. And he got a call, your house is destroyed. And so he got up early one morning, drove down, and I'll never forget him telling how he told the young man that was with him, now, the neighbors won't understand. They, to them, houses and material things are everything. So we got to be careful not to be too exuberant in our worship and praising God and trusting God to make this work for good. So he said, we can't, we can't act too excited or they won't understand. They'll think we're crazy. But they got out, looked at it. He got back in the car, came back that night and finished, continued preaching that revival. Amen. And that was such an important revival. And then when we were getting ready to go uh, as aim workers in the Caribbean, I'll never forget, uh, Brother Newstrand, superintendent, asked, would I present uh, what was happening with us and the need to the brethren in the minister's business meeting? And I did. And Brother Newstrand started to go on. And uh, Brother Meyer raised his hand, and Brother Newstrand called him. He said, why don't we just raise the money right now and get the Lucas of dinner and get them to work? And he said, and our church will give $500. Back then, $500 was a huge amount of money. Amen. Still is a lot of money, but it, back then it was a lot more money. And, uh, and, uh, he's, and Brother Jim Rome was sitting beside him and said, we'll give $500. And then we, we thought the amount they had asked us to raise to be able to go was in, insurmountable to us. We had no money. But within five minutes, those brethren raised the money, and we were on our way. Praise God. And then from 1990, this church, you know, when we were first appointed, the work in Japan would not accept missionaries. And uh, it was nationalized. They would not accept missionaries. We were the first missionaries they allowed to come back into mainland Japan. They had allowed one missionary that had been there, the Dennis's, to go to Okinawa, which was under U.S. Uh, oversight, and work with military, U.S. military people only in Okinawa. But uh, we, we were the first ones they allowed to come back in and work in mainland Japan, even with U.S. military. Military has a lot of people stationed in Japan still. And uh, so God blessed, and we saw not only military, but God began to bring in uh, a number of Japanese people, including the former superintendent's wife's two nieces and one of them's a boyfriend later became her husband, brought them in. They, they repented, were baptized, filled the Holy Ghost in our church. And so those folks who had been very much against missionaries suddenly decided they were very much for missionaries. And uh, at the end of one term, they opened the door and said, we would like the Lucases to come and work with us uh, with reaching the Japanese as well. And uh, from that time, we've continued working with, um, with Japanese. We, the church we pastor in Tokyo 
we have two congregations. One's Japanese, one is international military. And in that military, uh, the international work, we have seen people come to the Lord from all over the church. Uh, a while back, we had a visiting preacher, and he said, uh, how many nations are represented in this place tonight? And there were 16 nations represented in that place, people that had come to Japan not knowing the Lord from all over the world. We've had people from various countries of Europe, from Switzerland. Uh, we had a doctor's daughter who had studied in China and from Hungary. She came to the Lord, went back, and they told us before then, uh, my missionary friend in Hungary said, up till now, we've only been able to reach among the gypsy population. This is the first break into mainland, uh, mainstream Hungarian society. And she went back, witnessed to her mom. Uh, that, that girl came, into, came to the Lord in our church, went back, witnessed to her mom. Her mom came to the Lord, and God began to open up. Later, that girl uh, was asked to preach in a Chinese church in Hungary. Uh, there were a lot of Chinese people in Hungary, and uh, she was asked to preach. And the power of God moved. They were without a pastor. They asked her, would she be their pastor? And she explained to them she was one that's Pentecostal, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. They said, well, whatever you got, that's what we want, and will you be our pastor? And uh, then later married a, a Chinese minister, and she and her husband are starting churches and uh, working in Toronto, Canada, and God's using them there. Uh, we had a, a, a man studying for his doctorate from Ghana, and he came to the Lord in our church. He and his wife went back to Ghana, we had a man in our church that had come in that owned a construction company in Ghana. And uh, this brother, this other brother that comes to the Lord was called to preach, helped us in starting a church in northern Japan, went back to Ghana. Our construction company owner brother uh, had his construction company build a church. We raised the money in Tokyo. And in the northern part of Ghana, which was only uh, Islamic, and as far as they knew in that area, there had never been a Christian church started but uh, because this brother that had come to the Lord in Tokyo uh, had his doctorate and was over a large agricultural research facility in northern Ghana, uh, people respected him. Nobody would uh, bring oppression against him. And he was able to start the first Christian church in that area, which was the United Pentecostal Church. Amen. We built the building and built a parsonage and a beautiful facility there with money that was raised in Tokyo. But uh, this church from 1990, Right at the very time we, the door opened up for us to not only work with military, but internationals and especially with Japanese, this church became partners with us and have been faithful partners with us from that time till today. And so every victory we've had is your victory as well. We're in this thing together, and I honor you and thank you. Praise God. I want my wife to come and whatever she feels on her heart, I want her to share with you. And I'm excited to be here tonight. Amen. I do believe God has something for us. Uh, he's already, clearly, he is in this place. He has shown up. We're here. He's here. Amen. There's no wonder, uh, no telling what could happen in this service tonight if the Lord is able to have his way in each of our hearts and lives. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I feel really excited to be in Paris. I've never been to Paris before. So now I can say I've been to Paris. <laughs> we do honor all of you for being in the house of God tonight. We thank Brother and Sister Meyer for inviting us to come. What a privilege. And I am so impressed with the involvement of the youth in the worship team and in worship. 
That is wonderful, and you need to keep it up. Just get stronger and stronger in your relationship and in your commitment to the Lord. Um, Brother Lucas often tells of how he was called to be a missionary. He didn't mention it tonight. Um, he was five years old. I know there's some small children. There was some small children. And this little girl worshiping up here. Awesome. That's where it starts. And older people, I, there was older ones here too worshiping the Lord. So y'all been taught well by brother and sister Meyer how to worship. Praise the Lord. But as a five-year-old, Brother Lucas felt the call to missions um, in a Sunday school class. Sunday school teachers, you are important. You're not there to babysit. You're there for influence, for the kingdom, to instruct these young ones at an early age to give their life to the Lord. She said, the Lord has a plan for you. The Lord has a plan for each one of us in this room. It doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. And we can submit to him at any age and say, here I am, Lord. I'll work for you. I'll do what you ask me to do. So at the age of five, of course, that's too young to go to any nation to be a missionary. But at the, also at the age of 12, a missionary from Japan went to his home church and sang, How Great Thou Art in Japanese. And Brother Lucas knew at that time that he would be a missionary to Japan. And um, so he didn't go at the age of 12 either. It was 20 years later at the age of 32, that he arrived in Japan as a missionary. I know that the Lord is talking to you young people and nudging you and encouraging you and asking you to be involved in the work of God. There are many ways that you can be, and it's up to what he asks of you. He might ask you to be a missionary. He might ask you to be a pastor or a pastor's wife or an evangelist or the church organist, or, or a Sunday school teacher, or the grass mower, or the toilet cleaner. You don't, we, we don't know what God is going to ask us to do, but at your age, at all of our ages, no matter what season you are in, the Lord has something for you to do for his kingdom. It might be to walk across the street, to witness to your neighbor, or to, to pray for someone who is sick. All it takes in living for the Lord and being successful in your walk with the Lord is a hearing ear. What are you saying to me, Lord? A willing heart, availability, and then obedience. Very simple, right? And you don't have to compare yourself with anybody else. Well, the Lord is asking them to do this. And, you know, well, I'll just have to be honest right here and say, as a teenager, I prayed and said, Lord, I don't want to marry a minister and especially not a missionary. <laughs> 39 years, 42 years in missions. But, you know, sometimes we feel that I don't have anything to offer. What can I offer the Lord? You offer yourself and you let him lead you and you just be obedient to whatever he asks you to do. So I never received a call to the mission field, but I married my call. And the Lord has been good and faithful throughout all of the years. He's been so good to me. And I want to praise him 
always for that goodness in my life. Um, I think you probably know the um, song, Goodness of God. I'm going to sing just the chorus in Japanese for you. And as I do, you can sing in English if you'd like, or sing along with me in Japanese if you'd like. And um, let's just think about how good, how good the Lord has been to you. He's faithful. We sang about it tonight. We've already worshipped him for it. But let's do it some more. Let's give him some more praise for his faithfulness. Watashi no jinsei Sing with me if you would. Watashi no jinsei Yokimono de mita sane Sasae mamorare ta Utahu shiwa yoikata Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I was so stirred recently as the Lord drew me to uh, the uh, last part of Revelation. And when the Lord Jesus comes at, Arm, uh, at Armageddon, it says that he is called faithful and true. When this is all over, amen, when this walk on this life for all of us is over and the Lord comes with his saints at Armageddon, it says the thing that he is called that nobody can deny, it's his identity. He is faithful and he is true. The final analysis, when it's all over, everyone's going to have to say, he was faithful, and if he said it, he did it. His word was a fact. He never lied. Not one time did he break his promise. Amen. He is faithful, and he is true. Praise the Lord. Many times when my wife and I have uh, been facing or going through a difficulty, the Lord will give me a, a, sometimes a chorus, sometimes a song, and uh, that has been a great blessing. God speaks to different people in different ways, and this is something he has done that's encouraged us a lot. And uh, some of you uh, have flown before. Maybe you've taken off in, uh, from the airport uh, in uh, bad weather. Might be raining, nasty weather. Amen. When we left Ohio to go to the Caribbean, it was in the middle of a snowstorm and uh, cold, nasty, terrible weather. But when you get up above the clouds... There's no nasty weather up there. It's beautiful. Clear sunshine. Amen. Beautiful uh, blue skies. And uh, the first time that I saw that, I was so surprised, the difference of what it was down below and what it was up above. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, the Lord dealt with me one day about, uh, about birds. And uh, they say that all other birds in a storm will just try to ride the storm out, except the eagle. 
An eagle doesn't do that. An eagle will lift, be lifted up and fly above the storm in the sunlit sky. And they say that an eagle will fly higher during storm times than any other time in its life. And I was thinking about that, and this little song came to me. Amen. And uh, I'll start with a chorus, and if, if you want to, uh, whenever I'm singing a chorus, you can join in with me. It's time to fly. Let the storm winds lift you upward. Reach for the sky. The sun still shines above. When the thunders crash, Howling winds and dark clouds sweep the land. Spread your wings, they will lift you to the safety of His love. Other birds seek out a place to hide until the storm has passed them. Huddled in the wind and rain. Hoping it will all blow by But the same strong winds that others fear And try to run and hide from Lift the eagle to its greatest height Above the storm in sunlit sky It's time to fly Let the storm winds lift you upward Reach for the sky, the sun still shines above. When the thunders crash, the howling winds and dark clouds sweeps the land. Spread your wings, and they will lift you to the safety of His love. Even young men will grow weary. They'll faint and fall in time of struggle. But those who wait upon the Lord will find their strength made new. Then mounting up on wings like eagles, strong winds can only lift them upward into greater realms of grace and love beyond all they ever knew. It's time to fly. Sing with me. Let the storm winds lift you upward. Reach for the sky. The sun still shines above. When the thunders crash, Howling winds and dark clouds sweep the land. Spread your wings, they will lift you to the safety of His love. When the thunders crash, the howling winds and dark clouds sweep the land. Spread your wings, they will lift you to the safety of his love. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we stand together?
wings in prayer, when we begin to spread our wings in worship, it doesn't matter what the storm, everybody's going to have storms in their lives. Jesus told the parable in Matthew 7, and he talked about the man that built his house on a rock, talked about the man that built his house on the sand. Both of them had storms. Both of them had floods. Amen. The storms will come. They happen to everybody. But I'll tell you what, how we stand through the storm and how we come out of the storm is different if we'll put our faith and confidence in the Lord. Praise God. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. Praise God. I'm sorry, verse 8, 9, and 10. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. And I want to speak to you a few minutes tonight about the response of faith. Amen. The response of faith. How, how faith responds. How faith responds. It's interesting. Well, amen. You're still standing. Amen. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. If you'll smile at someone before you're seated. Smile at somebody. Anybody. Amen. If you don't smile at anybody else, you can smile at me. Praise God. Amen. But uh, in, uh, in Romans 10, and there are many that go to Romans to try to find their, the plan of salvation that they put their hope in in our day. But at Romans 10, it starts out talking about what the righteousness which comes by faith is. And it's, it starts out, it says, how does faith talk? How does faith think? It doesn't say this. And it doesn't talk like this. That's how it starts out. Paul, Paul starts out saying, I, I want everybody to be saved. I, I want uh, all the Jews to be saved. I don't want any of them to be lost. And, uh, and, but they've got to put their faith in the Lord, not in their own ability, not in how good they are. Amen. Not how, how faithful grandma sang in the choir or, or, uh, or uh, how faithfully they attended church for so many years and got pens for it with uh, no missed attendance and uh, that won't get anybody in heaven by itself amen he, he says uh, that's it's not by how good we are but it's by faith in the Lord and then he says faith doesn't talk like who can go up into heaven and get the Lord to come down Amen. I've been in services before where I've heard uh, individuals leading a service or leading the worship say, well, we need to get a hold of the Lord and get him to come down here and be here tonight. Well, that's not faith. That's not faith. That's contrary to the word of God. Scripture tells us that God is here, that when we gather together, he's already here. We don't need to ask him to come. We just need to get in tune with him. Too many times he's trying to talk, but we're not hearing Amen. Too many times he wants to do things in our lives, but we're not as sensitive to him as we need to be. And he says, faith doesn't say who can uh, get the Lord to come up here as though he's still in the grave. He's not in the grave. We don't need to dig him up out of the grave. Amen. He's, he says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, which we preach, the word of faith. 
And, and he talks about confessing with the mouth and believing with the heart. And uh, it, it goes on, and, and I wish I could talk about that a while tonight, but I do want to focus on this, about the response of faith. Again, this ver these verses in Ephesians, there are many that will go to that and uh, read a couple verses and completely construe what it's saying. Uh, sometime back, as I was studying this, I, I, I wanted to dig as deep as I could go in this, and I found out some interesting information. At least it was very interesting to me. When it says that we are saved by grace, the word by is one word, and the word through, not just in English but in Greek, are, is a totally different word. The word by grace, we are saved by grace, denotes that grace is the agent. It's the active agent which accomplishes the work. It's what makes it happen. Amen. But when it says through, literally, it uses a word which you would use to indicate like if you were irrigating or you had a pipe and water was flowing through it. It is the channel which something flows through. That word, that's what it means. It's the channel which something flows through. Amen. It happens by the power of the grace of God. Doesn't happen by our power. Doesn't happen because we're good enough. It doesn't happen because we're smart enough. Amen. It happens by the power of God. But the channel it flows through is faith. Amen. Now, there are, is, are many times individuals who, especially in our day, uh, misunderstand what faith is all about. We use the word sometimes belief. I'll just mention in Japanese. Uh, it, it does something that is similar to Greek in that in Japanese, the word faith is shinko. And uh, the, what we say unbelief in English, we say great, uh, faith and unbelief. But in Japanese, it's shinko, which is faith, and fushinko, which means not faith. It's the exact opposite. Amen. It's the exact opposite. It's faith or not faith. Faith or the opposite of faith. Amen. And uh, there are those in our day that say, well, you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, it's not of ourselves. And that's true. But when he talks about faith here, grace is the agent that brings the power of salvation to us. Faith is the channel through which it flows. With no faith, it won't flow. Amen. Without faith, it won't, it won't accomplish the work. Amen. It happens by the grace of God, but uh, it flows to us through faith. Now, there are those that believe today. I don't know. Is it okay if I take this off from here? Amen. There are those that, that they interpret or translate this like this, that as long as I believe Jesus died on the cross, even if I don't believe what he said, even if I don't intend to obey what he said, even if I don't believe what he said is necessary, is necessary, even though I have no intention of obeying what he said, as long as I believe he did die on the cross by grace, in spite of all my unbelief and refusing to believe or obey the Lord, I'm saved anyway. Now, that's not what, he, what Paul is saying here in Ephesians. Not at all. He's talking about the response of faith. Now, one of the best examples Right from the very beginning, God, God wanted to make sure we got this right. And in Genesis, he talks about, uh, by grace, Noah was saved, right? 
Amen. Tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What Noah was trying to live right, he was trying to do right. Amen. But Noah was not good enough to deserve to be saved and to see life on earth saved by his own goodness. Amen. It was necessary for him to have the grace of God. God's grace began to work in his life. Noah didn't come up with it on his own. He didn't, he didn't uh, be spiritual enough to figure out on his own to build an ark. He didn't come up with his championship plan to save life on earth. Uh, but it was the grace of God that gave him a plan. It was the grace of God that revealed it to him. It was the grace of God that gave him power to do it. It was the grace of God that gave him the exact instructions of how this had to be done. It's interesting that in Hebrews 11, even though in Genesis it tells us Noah found grace in the eyes of God. See, Noah, grace is favor we don't deserve, we didn't pay for, we didn't earn it, and we can never repay it. No matter what we do, it's just the grace or the goodness of God. Amen. And Noah found grace in the eyes of God. But in Hebrews 11, it says Noah, by faith, prepared an ark. By faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Amen. Turn with me to Romans 11. Some are looking at me like they don't believe I'm saying it right. I want, to, I want you to see it's there just like that. I'm not making this up. Amen. This didn't come out of the first book of Rick Lucas. It came out of, it's right there in the Bible. Amen. Hebrews 11, 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. How did he do that? By faith. He did it by faith. This is how faith responds. You see, God told Noah, I'm going to destroy life from planet earth. Now I'm going to, by the grace of God, I'm going to give you a plan by which you and life on earth can be preserved. Amen. But if it's going to happen, you got to have enough faith to respond to what I'm telling you. Amen. Just stand around saying, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, isn't going to get the job done. That will not cause the grace to flow to you. The grace is going to come to you if you have enough faith to step out and say, I believe God tell me the truth. He told me to do it this way, and I'm going to do it that way. Amen. And so... Noah, by faith, the Lord said, prepare this ark. I want you to build it this long, this high, this wide. I want it to be three floors high. I want you to make stalls in it. And uh, so he did it that way. And by faith, amen, by faith, Noah prepared an ark. Noah didn't prepare the ark by his own goodness or how smart he was. He prepared that ark by faith. Amen. God said, do it this way. His faith said, that's what God said. I don't understand it. It's never rained before, but I'm going to do it the way God said, and I'm just trusting God knows what he's doing. Amen. I'm believing in the grace of God that gave me this plan. I'm going to just do what the Lord said. Amen. It's interesting. One of the largest denominations of Protestants in America uh, almost split right down the middle over the question of whether someone has to repent to be saved or not. Now, Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's what he said. 
Amen. He said it more than once. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But that denomination, approximately half the ministers said, I know Jesus said that, but I don't believe it. I know Jesus said it, but I don't think you got to do that. If you got to try to repent to be saved, you're trying to work it up by yourself and your own goodness. You're trusting in what you've done by your works. The other half said, you can't call it faith if you don't even believe what Jesus said. How can you say you believe on Christ if you don't believe what Christ said? How can you say I'm trusting him if you don't even trust he's telling you the truth? How can you say you're a believer if you don't believe him? And they almost split that denomination right down the middle, arguing over whether or not you have to have enough faith to do what Jesus said. Amen. I'll tell you, in Texas, any rancher or farmer understands faith a whole lot better than a lot of religious scholars and, and uh, a lot of these elite, uh, I won't say pointy head, uh, I won't say that, but these people that, uh, you know, even, even some religious leaders. Now that, that old farmer, that rancher understands that it's the grace of God put that water in the ground. He didn't put that water in the ground by his own ability. He didn't put it in the ground because he's so smart. He didn't put it in the ground because he's so wonderful. It was the grace of God put that water in that ground. And he, he looks at that ground, looks how it all lays, and he says, I believe there's water down there. I've got faith that God put water in that ground. Now, he can stand up there just like Moses, or Noah could have stood there all day long and said, I, I've got faith. I, I've got faith in God. I believe the Lord told me the truth. I believe in God. Were well, you going to build an ark? No, no, no. That'd be trying to earn salvation by my own works. I'm just going to have I'm just going to believe God and, and be saved by faith. Well, But he said build an ark. Yeah, but I don't believe that. I'm just going to be saved by faith. Well, that's not faith if you don't believe what he said. Amen. Faith causes you to respond to the word of God. Faith causes you to respond to what the Lord has said. Amen. And because Noah had enough faith to believe God told him the truth, that God by his grace had extended this plan to him, and Noah got to work by faith, amen, trust in God, and uh, God did exactly what he said he would do, and Noah and his family were saved, amen, by grace through faith. That farmer says, I believe God put water in that ground, and that I, I believe there's enough water in there to irrigate, uh, irrigate this ground, and, and, and to make this ground productive, and to raise good crops, and to water my livestock. And so he don't just stand there and say, I believe in water. I believe God by his grace put water in the ground. Hallelujah. I'm just going to keep on believing until the water gets here. Well, the water isn't going to get there. Amen. He's got enough, have enough faith in God and in the grace of God that he goes to digging in that ground. Amen. Begins to sink a well down into that ground and if he is right, if God by his grace did put water in that ground where he's at, by faith he acts on that 
and pretty soon there's beautiful fields, there's healthy livestock. Amen. Why are they there? Because somebody had faith in the grace of God. Somebody had faith that God does what he said. Amen. That God's promises are true. Amen. And they sunk that, by faith, they sunk that, that the well down into the ground. They pulled the water out of the ground that God put there by grace. Amen. It flowed to them. Amen. All that God had promised them and all the goodness of God flowed to them. Praise God. I'll tell you, without faith, he's not going to get that water out of the ground. But faith does more than just say, I believe. Amen. Amen. If God says, do this, and I say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe I got to do that, that's not faith. That's unbelief. That's hushinko. Amen. That's the opposite of faith. Praise God. You know, before the Lord uh, ascended to heaven, the last time he appeared to the disciples in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, he opened their understanding. They'd understand the scriptures. And, and he, had, he had talked to them what we call the, uh, the Great Commission. He'd given that in, in several elements about that before. But this is his last time to speak to them. You'll find when he finished speaking, he led them out, and they, uh, then he ascended into heaven. And the book of Acts, written by the same guy that wrote the book of Luke, he, uh, the Acts chapter 1 begins as Luke 24 ends. It, both of them overlap just a little bit, telling about this last appearance just before Jesus ascended. And Jesus told them, he said, uh, there's a message I want you to preach. And he said, I want it to be same message preached everywhere in all nations. He said, that message is repentance. And that message is remission of sins in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want it preached everywhere. And, and, and not only that, but it'll begin at Jerusalem. It'll begin at Jerusalem. Now, how many here believe Jesus prophesied the truth? That he's true, and if he said it, that's the truth. Amen. I don't believe he was a false prophet. I don't believe he lied. He said the message, and he said, I want it preached among all nations. I remember I was witnessing to a guy that graduated from one of the most famous seminaries. I started to say cemetery seminaries in the world. But he said, this guy told me, he said, what you're saying about salvation, that, that was true there in the beginning of the church. But it changed. The message changed. I said, well, if somebody changed it, it wasn't supposed to change. He said, no, no, no. It was supposed to change. I said, well, where's that in the Bible? He said, well, it's not in the Bible. I said, well, that's true. It's not in the Bible. That's for sure. I said, if anybody changed it, they weren't supposed to. Oh, no, no, no. It was supposed to change. That was just when they were preaching, getting it going. But then it was supposed to change later. I said, well, I don't find that in Scripture. He said, well, it's not in the Bible. It happened after the Bible. I said, well, somebody did it after. But Jesus said, no, no, no. He said, this is what I want preached among all nations. It means that from the beginning to the end, wherever you preach it, it stays the same. It doesn't change. Now, I believe Jesus told the truth. I believe what he was saying was true. He said, this is a message. I want preached among all nations. And he said, that message is repentance and remission of sins in Jesus' name. And then he said, and it will begin at Jerusalem. Now, when he said that, he told us two things. First, he told us what the message is, repentance, remission of sins in Jesus' name. And then he told us it's the same message everywhere. It's among all nations. 
Then he told us two things. He said, beginning at Jerusalem. Now that lets us tell, uh, know two things. One is up to that point, it had never been preached. Right? Because if it's been preached, you can't say it will begin if it's already begun. If he said it will begin, that means it had never been done that way up to then. And that's true. Scripturally and historically, we can see it had never been preached that way up to that time. We can tell that it would begin at Jerusalem. And then when he said it will begin at Jerusalem, not only can we know that it had not yet begun, we can know that when it began, it would begin at Jerusalem. Now, that's very important. That's very important because he, he told them, now, after, after this, you go back to Jerusalem and tarry until you be undue with power from on high. And he spoke to them about the promise of the Holy Ghost. And in, Luke, or in Acts chapter 1, uh, when Luke tells it there, he goes back and, and really emphasizes about the Holy Ghost and receiving the Holy Ghost. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. And they went back to Jerusalem. And they stayed there praying until the Holy Ghost fell. And then after the Holy Ghost fell, a crowd was gathered. There was about 120 received the Holy Ghost. And, and they were all speaking with tongues. And, and a crowd gathered. And they began to make fun of them. And they began to ask what's going on. And, and they were confused. They said, these are all Galileans. They're not educated people. These people all come from a, an area that's not highly educated. They're fishers. Uh, fishermen and 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 uh, from a fishing village and and a farm and community area and they're they're not highly educated people and 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 yet we hear them speaking and they they mentioned seventeen different language groups that were being spoken and they said and they're they're all they're all speaking about the wonderful works of God they're all praising God they're speaking about the wonderful works of God in the languages where we were born Jews were there for that festival from all over the world. And, and so then the scripture tells us that Peter with the apostles stood and he began to explain to them. He started out, he said, now first, I want to explain to you what's going on. This is what Joel was prophesying in Joel chapter 2. And, uh, and it's important to understand that. This is what he was prophesying about. And he said, uh, uh, then he began to talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and explain to them the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And later, Paul would tell us that is the gospel. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried for us, and he rose from the grave. Amen. Uh, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And uh, he preached to them the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, when he finished, in Acts chapter 2 verse 37 it tells us their hearts were pricked or it was just like they were that truth of the word of God got them right in the heart and they said men and brethren what shall we do now that question is so important for every one of us what shall we do what shall we do well Jesus told us what's supposed to be preached this is in Jerusalem it's the next event after Jesus spoke those words Amen. Peter said, repent. Well, you got that one right, Peter. Jesus said, I want this preached in Jerusalem. It'll begin in Jerusalem. And the first thing in this message is to be preached among all nations is repent. It's to repent. 
And uh, that means turn from, from my sin, turn from my own way, turn around and say, I've been living this way, I've been going this way, I've been doing my own thing, I've been living the way I want, but I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to be that way anymore. I know I've not been doing right. I know I've not been right. I want to live for God. I want to be a child of God. I want to do what's right. I want to live the way God wants me to live, the way he intended when he created me for me to live. You see, God didn't create any of us to be a loser or to lose at life. God created you with purpose in mind. Before you were ever born, God already knew you. He had a will and a purpose for your life, and God created you for you to win at life. God created you with the will and desire for you to win at life. Amen. Amen. And Peter said, repent. You got to turn from your own way and turn to God. I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, uh, when I joined the Marine Corps, they taught us to march. And sometimes I was so tired, I'd kind of be almost dozing while I was marching. And it was all just... And I'd just stay awake enough to see the guys, back of the guy's head in front of me. But when they would do a to-the-rear march, it caught me every time. And I'd get in trouble for it because everybody else would turn around and be going the opposite way. And I hadn't turned. I was still going the same way. And I'm piling into all them, and they're piling into me. You see, we'd be marching along, and they'd say, to the rear, march. And we'd turn and go the opposite way. To the rear, march. And we'd turn and go the opposite way. Well, as long as I was paying attention and heard the command and did it, I was no problem. But if I didn't, and everybody else did, and I didn't, I was still going one way, and they're going the opposite way, then that, that caused a pileup and got me in trouble. But in the British Army, they don't say, to the rear march. They're marching along, and, and they say, repent, and they turn and go the opposite way. Repent, and they go the opposite way. And that's what repenting is. Been going this way, going to turn around and go the opposite way. I've been living my own way, doing my own thing, creating a lot of trouble for myself. I'm tired of that. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to do this the way God meant for me to do and be. And I want to be a child of God. And Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done, what I've been. And I need your help. Amen. And, this, and, and so the first thing is repent. Amen. There's some folks, they want to give their heart to God, but they don't want to turn from their sin. They want to keep on going the same way they've been going, but say, Lord, you come along and follow along, be part of my life. That won't work. The Lord never, at, and never says, let me come follow you. He says, come follow me. We love the scripture says the Lord is my shepherd, but something I learned about shepherds is, the sheep don't tell the shepherd what they got planned for the day. They don't say, uh, Brother Shepherd, I got this on my, in my day planner today, and, and this is what's on my schedule, and I need you to follow along and help it all to work good for me to, so I can live the life I want to live. Instead, the shepherd decides which way they're going, and they follow. They let the shepherd. And if we're going to live for God, we got to let him lead. we gotta, we got to say, Lord, I want you to lead in my life. I want you to be in charge. Praise God. And, and so I've got to repent. And then Peter said, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. Jesus said remission of sins would be preached in his name. And it was. He said, it'll begin at Jerusalem. And that's the first place that was ever preached. In all the history of the world, that had never been preached like that before. Till that day. That was the first time it had ever been preached. 
Just like Jesus said, it'll begin at Jerusalem. It did begin in Jerusalem. And then from where, uh, there on, throughout the book of Acts and throughout the Bible, you'll find everywhere they preach, that's what they preach. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, the scripture tells us that there's going to be those that will come to the Lord. It, it says in Matthew 7, I wish it didn't use this word, but it does. It uses the word many. We all know what many means, right? Many doesn't mean a few. It doesn't mean some. It means many. And Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? That means we preached or taught or spoke with Holy Ghost anointing. Have we not preached in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name, the name of Jesus? Have we not done many wonderful works? In Japanese it says, perform many wonderful miracles in your name. And then Jesus says, then will I profess unto them, depart from me ye that work iniquity. I know you not. I never knew you. I never knew you. I used to have trouble trying to understand that. And I would pray and I would study that. How could he say? These people, someone said, well, it doesn't say he really did it. They just said they did. I thought, nobody's that dumb. These people are standing at judgment. They found out they're lost. And they're so shocked and they're telling the Lord, I did this. Nobody's stupid enough to stand at judgment and try to tell God they did stuff they don't honestly believe they did. Amen. I believe they meant it, that they believed they had done that. And they couldn't understand, how can I be lost? How can you say that you don't know me, I don't know you? How, how can this be? And I used to study about that. And then one day, the Lord drew me to First or Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And it says there's... This judgment time is coming and the Lord's going to come with 10,000 of his saints and it says he will take vengeance on them that know not God, that obeyed not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I must believe the gospel enough to obey the gospel. If I don't obey the gospel, it's because I didn't really believe the gospel. And if I believe the gospel, then I'm going to obey the gospel. When Peter said repent, those that believed that that day, that believed what he was preaching, they repented. He said, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. And those that believed, it says those that believed Peter's preaching were baptized and were added to the church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You see, Christ died for us. The gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us on the cross. But all the power of his death won't mean one thing to you or I if we don't repent of our sins. But when we repent of our sins and say, God, I don't want to live by my own way anymore. I want to do what you'd have me to do. And I'm trusting in the power of your shed blood on Calvary. I'm looking to that. I believe you. I believe in the power of that. I'm not trying to save myself. I believe in the power of your cross. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to 
to help me today. Amen. And when you repent and die to sin, the power of his death becomes yours. It becomes real in your, all the power of what happened on the cross becomes your personal possession. It happens in you and in me. Praise God when we repent. Until we repent, it will never happen. But when we repent, it happens. Why? Because that's how faith responds. Faith that believes he died on the cross for me, not to save me in my sins, but to save me from my sins, believes in the power of his death and believes he's able to save me, not just everybody else. He didn't plan a, plan a salvation big enough to save everybody but me. Amen. This was meant for me and for you as well. If it'll work for anybody, it'll work for you and I. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And then the scripture tells me that the second part of the gospel is the burial. He, the death, the burial of Christ says he was buried for us. Why was he buried for us? Amen. He was God in flesh. He didn't need to, to die on a cross to be buried and to rise from the grave. He didn't become more spiritual. He didn't become more powerful. What he did was to make something available to you and I that was never available to any human being before. It says in the Old Testament they would pray and repent, but when they walked away, their heart was still heavy and the load of sin was on them and they could not break free from it. But when he died on the cross, he opened the door that you and I could receive something that would break the power of sin in our lives and set us free. Praise God. And when we're baptized in Jesus' name, the Bible tells us that old life is being buried with Christ. Now, I wasn't there, obviously, and you may think I'm old enough, but I wasn't there when they buried Jesus. Amen. But the, the Lord made a way. You know, if they could have took my old sorry carcass and stuffed it in the tomb with Jesus, I can't help but believe that when the power and glory of God came into that, into that cave or into that burial chamber and, and he came out of that place, victorious, raised, amen. If you could have just buried me in the tomb with Jesus, something would have had to have happened to me, amen. Well, I didn't live then, you didn't live then, but he made a way that we can be buried with Christ in baptism, and it says that through faith in the operation of God, we rise to a brand new life. Something happened, something so dramatically Amen. So powerfully when we're buried with Christ in baptism. Praise God. And then by the power of his resurrection, we can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I want to share one quick uh, thing in closing. And uh, this is about one of the, I, I made a lot of dumb mistakes. I tell the young men in, that work with us, don't worry about making dumb mistakes. I've made dumber ones than you can ever make. And uh, the first person I ever baptized I just saw him not very long ago, amen. And uh, we were in the Marine Corps in, in station at Iwakuni, Japan, and I'd been witnessing to him for several months. And one day I went by and talked to him and he said, well, Rick, I, I looked in the Bible and it's true. What you said is true. Everyone ever baptized in Jesus or baptized in the Bible uh, in, in a, as a Christian was baptized in Jesus' name. Not one was ever baptized using the words Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Absolutely never happened. And, and I looked in the history books and, 
and encyclopedias, and they tell me the same thing, that it was that for the first two or 300 years of Christianity, everybody baptized was baptized by immersion and baptized in Jesus' name. And, uh, and he said, but I just don't think it's that important. And I said, Gil, twice Peter commanded them in Acts 2, he commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. And in Acts 10, he commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. No preacher has a right to command you to do something unless he knows it's a command of God. He commanded them. He said, well, I don't want to talk about it anymore. So I went, I, I had free time, and I went over to the chapel and knelt down, and there was such a heavy burden. I began to cry and pray, and, 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 and all at once it lifted. And I was pretty young in the Lord, but... Uh, before I'd left the States to be stationed overseas, my pastor would give me authority, uh, give me a Christian worker's license and give me authority to baptize anybody that I witnessed to and, and was able to win. So, um, so I, I, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, go change your clothes. Gil's ready to be baptized. And I thought, well, I still got time. I'm going to pray some more. I tried to pray. I couldn't pray. The burden had lifted. And, and so I felt like the Lord spoke to me again and said, go change your clothes. Gil wants to be baptized. And I thought, well, I'll go change my clothes. And if it's really God, I'll find out. And if it's not, nobody will know but me. And, and I'm trying to obey the Lord. I'm trying. I think this was the voice of the Lord. And I'm trying to obey him. So I went and I was changing my clothes. I was just tying my shoes. And Gil comes. And this guy comes. His family, you can go back into the 1400s in, in Spain, all of his family had been members of the same denomination that they have record of in all of history. He'd been studying to become a priest in that organization until he became disillusioned with some things uh, just before he was ready to take his vows and left and joined the Marine Corps. But anyway, so uh, he, he, was, he was one of these never gets excited, very calm guys, he was wild-eyed. He was crazy. He come running in out of breath. He says, man, there you are. He said, hurry up. I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name. I said, okay. He said, no, no, I got a taxi waiting outside. Will you hurry up? I said, yeah, it's, it's okay. He said, okay. So we went out and got in a taxi. We went out by this beautiful arch bridge, one of the most famous bridges in Japan, one of the most famous bridges in the world, this beautiful arch, wooden arch bridge called Kintaikyo. And, and so... Uh, I'd seen my dad baptize a lot of people. I'd seen other preachers baptize a lot of people. So, so I, he said, and he was telling me on the way out there, he said, after you left, all I could hear over and over is, he commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. He commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. He commanded them to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, God spoke to me and said, are you going to obey my command or are you going to refuse to believe me? Are you going to refuse to obey my word? And he said, no, he said, no, Lord, I, I want to obey you. I want to do what you'd have me to do. So, he, so anyway, we get out there and we go out in the water. And this is the first time I've ever baptized anybody. But I'd seen a lot of people baptized. So, so I get out there with him. And, 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 and I remember my dad always prayed with him. The preachers always prayed with him. So, so I prayed, tried to pray the best prayer I could pray with him. You know, I really wanted the power of God to be there. And, and so I get ready and and. And I try to remember all the right things to say and say it just like my pastor used to and like my dad did and just like ever. And so I tried to do it all just right. And I put him down in the water and I was feeling so good and I was bringing him up and I realized I forgot to say in Jesus' name. 
Now that's embarrassing for a Jesus name preacher to forget to say in Jesus name. That's pretty embarrassing. But he had never been baptized in Jesus' name before, so he didn't know. And I bring him up, and, and he's trying to worship the Lord. And I say, Gil, stop. And he keeps trying to worship. I say, Gil, stop. And he keeps on trying to worship the Lord. I say, Gil, stop. And he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, man, I got to baptize you over. He said, what? I said, I forgot to say in Jesus' name. He said, will you hurry up? And that time, I didn't pray any prayers. I didn't say all the fancy stuff I was trying to remember. All I did is grabbed hold of him and I said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. In Jesus' name. I made sure I said it real loud. And I put him under the water and I lost him. There was so much commotion going on under the water. I lost him. And, and he come exploding out of the water, talking in tongues, power of God all over him. Drunk on the Holy Ghost, staggering around. I thought he was going to drown us both. People upstream looking at us, wondering what's going on. And, and, and I mean, he was going crazy. And, 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 and he'd start, he'd, he'd be laughing and talking in tongues, and he'd start going back out in the deep water. And I'm trying to get him to shore and get him to dry off. And, and, and I'd just start getting him toward the shore, and he'd start laughing again, right back out in the deep water. It took me a long time to get him out of the water. I thought he'd drowned us both. And, and, and it, was, it was a long time before he could speak in either Spanish, which was his native language, or English. Amen. But it was a bad mistake on my part, but within two seconds' time, I saw when you do everything else. You pray the prayers. You say every fancy thing you can try to do. You try to do it all just right. And you only leave out one thing, and that's the name of Jesus. And I saw when you don't do anything else. You don't pray the prayers. You don't say all the fancy stuff. You just put them down in Jesus' name. But the power is in the name of Jesus. The power is in the name of Jesus. The power is in that name. Praise God. Would you stand together? Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. How, how are you and I going to respond? Are we going to respond in faith? Are we going to do like Noah did and say, Lord, you said it? That's good enough for me. I may not even understand it, but I'm going to obey it. I'm going to do what you said. I believe you. I believe you said it. I believe it. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together. Praise God. Lord Jesus, you know each person here. You know each heart, each mind. You know where we're at. You're, you know what you're wanting to do in our lives. You know what you're challenging us to do. You know what you're challenging us to step out in faith and obey you. Oh, God, I just ask you would help us today. I ask you would help us today, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. How does faith respond? Faith responds by obeying. Faith responds in confidence in the Lord. Faith responds that whether I understand it or not, God, if you said it, that's good enough for me. Amen. Your ways are right. You're, you're faithful. You're true. Your word is right. Praise God. Praise God. Why do, why do we pray? He gave us so many promises. If we'll pray, amen. Well, I've got this problem and I've got that problem. Amen. But he said, if I would pray, if I would pray, he said, if you'll go in that secret place and meet with me in prayer, when you come out, there will be an open reward. There will be an open reward. Amen. Why do I pray? Just because I believe him. 
just because I believe him. Amen. I don't trust in my ability to pray. I don't trust in my ability to say or do it right. I just trust that he's big enough to guide me. He's big enough to help me. Amen. He's big enough to help each of us. He can lead us. Scripture says you don't even know how to pray. You don't even know what to pray for. But the Holy Ghost will come along. The Holy Ghost will get in there. The Holy Ghost will begin to help you. I believe that today. I believe his word is true. Amen. I believe him. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Could we could we just worship the Lord together one more time?
What a wonderful, wonderful ministry tonight. What I'd like for us to do while this climate is so strong is I would like for you to call a name, whisper it. Don't, you don't have to do it out loud. Somebody that you really would like to see in covenant with Jesus Christ. And I'd like for you just to just sort of put that in a little wrap of faith and then use that name. Jesus, I am praying for so-and-so. My friend, my cousin, my mother, my dad, my child. Just sort of like you don't have to physically do what I'm doing, but just sort of do that. Call a name, whisper it. You don't have to say it out loud where anybody else can hear it. God can hear it. And then bring that name in the name of Jesus, a covenant for this person. Would you sing that while they do this? By the blood of the Lamb, by the power of the resurrection, we are planning faith to reach way beyond the walls of this meeting. We are grateful for the ministry of the name, the joyfully clap our hands to the Lord. Thank you, Brother Lucas, Sister Lucas, for being here. And we hope for you a great week. Don't forget, you're saved by hope. So when we say that we hope for you a great week, that you will live in the canopy of God's covenant. and blessings. God bless. Let's clap our hands one more time for these wonderful wish missionaries.